0: If this is your first time listening to the Making of a Hoodie podcast, I'd urge you to go back to episode zero where you can get a sense of the context of what we're trying to do here and what this is all about.
1: As an Aboriginal person, like connection to land and culture, that's just so important.
2: We need to wear something that is not only not damaging our planet, but uh, regenerating our planet. When you give nature a helping hand, its ability
3: to regenerate is amazing.
4: You know, we know less about what happens underwater than
5: what we know about, say, the moon. Signify the importance of seaweed in creating the garment.
6: I feel like almost like the messaging behind the hoodie will be key. Whatever we make on the hoodie, somewhere on it, it has to say, this hoodie is made from seaweed. Welcome to the Making of a Hoodie podcast. My name is Damon and uh, I'm a, a filmmaker and uh, the thing I'm working on at the moment um, with lots of people around the world is this concept of regeneration and, and what that means and that uh, largely sustainability is a target but regeneration is an action and it tells people to get involved and start joining the regeneration and let's turn these things around whether that's our social systems or our ecosystem. So, you know, we have such a meaning crisis right now around the world and people are sort of feeling a bit hopeless that... This idea of regenerating, to me, is incredibly exciting and hopeful and promising and we can all come together to do it. Uh, There's no central leader, there's no hero to it, it's going to take all of us. Um, And it involves, you know, textiles and transport and food and all sorts of regenerative practices.
3: Both Ziggy and myself, uh, Adriana, we're, we're academics. So we're marine ecologists and we do research to try and understand marine ecosystems better so that we can manage them better. And very often, a lot of what we do is about documenting problems, understanding why they happen, etc. But with this project, um, what we were really excited about was actually finding a solution.
4: The project that we were working on, it's uh, on restoration of underwater forests. So a lot of the people, when, you know, think about forests, they immediately think about what happens on land, you know, and, and the role forests play in, like, you know, um, creating a home for all these animals and plants that we like seeing and enjoying when we go and walk around a bush and and so on, Um, but you know, especially in Australia, on the bottom half of the continent, we have really extensive underwater forests, which essentially do the same thing as the ones on land do. Um, The main issue here is that uh, because of human impacts that include climate change and related ocean warming and so on, plus pollution and other things that we're we're doing to the marine environments. um, Those forests have been declining through time.
3: So some colleagues of ours um, were the ones that first documented the disappearance of this and the water forest. And then we went, okay, well, can we bring it back? So Sydney Water did a whole lot of engineering works to improve the water treatment and the sewage uh, treatment. So We know that the water quality in general in Sydney now is really good, so could we bring these species back? So we started with small-scale experiments and they were incredibly successful and exciting.
4: In our project, what we've been doing is we have identified a a forest formed by a species that is called crayweed.
3: And the, the cool thing about seaweeds is that they grow really fast. So you plant them, and we start seeing the babies, or we call them crabies, six, seven, eight months after planting. So it's, it's pretty rewarding, you know, if you think of a mature terrestrial forest, you know, will take hundreds of years. A mature seaweed forest just takes a few years. Even though the marine environment is, is, is being really stressed by human activities, and it's responding really fast, it can also recover really fast.
7: I'm Johnny Abeg, yeah, I'm like from Byron Bay region, um, Bundjalung country, so I've been up here for a good 25 years and I've got basically a um, sort of 30-plus year surfing background. And then um, I suppose the last couple of years I've sort of seen the um, changes, you know, with climate change and things like that and I uh, ended up going to a climate change summit about three years ago where I um, felt like there was another gap in the surfing demographic where I feel like that climate messaging could have been um, been a bit more direct so yeah kicked off uh, surface for the climate with co-founder Belinda Bags. I think with all of us we get that initial really strong sinking feeling of going oh wow how you know how what what are we going to do So yeah, it was just funny on the plane ride home to my wife I was just like oh, maybe I'll just let me just start this what do you think about surface for climate it's just it just says it all in one title. You Know surfacing just getting engaged on the climate, and she's like, Oh, that sounds good, yeah. Um, so it started really simple. I just thought, I'll just start, you know, socially. Um, and then you know, spoke to Belinda Bags about, and she was on the same path. So we just sort of joined forces on that, and we just started really small and just started, um, you know, sort of engaging surfers on the science a little bit, trying to humorize it, um, a bit, um, personalize it. And then it just sort of started growing from there, really. And then um, we both took a very big learning curve, which I'm sure you've done too with the not-for-profit space and all that organisational stuff where it was like, oh, wow, this is humongous. Just all the governance and, yeah, all all that stuff is really, um, you know, I've come from a much more creative mindset. So I sort of try to sit on that side of the fence with the um, client messaging. But... um, Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, sort of we've grown a lot and we're starting to get a nice little team together with um, SFC and, yeah, it's just got a nice organic sort of series growth.
2: I'm Regina Polanco. I'm the founder and CEO of Pyrotex. Pyrotex is a Spanish company that acts worldwide. We are an uh, R&D and textile supplying provider for brands and designers. And we are trying to change the textile industry uh, by bringing to the market new fabrics uh, that can replace traditional ones that are more responsive. Better for our planet and as well for our bodies. And actually, uh, we work with a lot of different fibers. And one of them that we use to make our fabrics, it's seaweed.
6: I recently made a film called Twenty Forty, which was sort of um, looking at what the world could look like if we implemented many of these solutions, like Regina's, and and trying to get people to understand that on the other side of this crisis um, awaits a much more beautiful world with cleaner air and connected communities and abundant nature. And that climate change and all the other systemic feedback we're getting right now is is just that. It's an immune response from our system in the same way that we get one from our body. So we go to the doctors and make a change. This is what our system and the planet's telling us right now that it needs to change direction. So uh, I guess my work tries to reframe this moment as, as an extraordinary time for the human species that we can actually move away from industrial civilization towards a more ecological civilization in the coming decades. And um, I imagine one day historians could potentially look back at this time and, and say imagine being alive then, imagine being part of that when a whole system changed, their energy and their transport and their agriculture and their textiles uh, and to try and get people motivated and excited by that narrative.
2: I was 18 when I had that first idea or that first uh, uh, reflection that I actually started with a hoodie. Already the the hoodie was uh, representing my generation. Their uniform was a hoodie, but that uniform wasn't considered as a working uniform or as a successful uniform for uh, older generations. And uh, I thought this story has to change because actually, I do belong uh, to a generation that wears hoodies, but that actually is doing things and that is actually very active and that actually wants to be something in life and that actually wants to be successful. When I was a bit older and I was finishing my studies, I was like, well, I need to launch that little brand uh, where I'm gonna be making hoodies for people like me, but that will uh, actually, they will be able to wear that hoodie for any occasion and that will be adapted to uh, environmental needs and to their body's needs. Then, well, I couldn't find the fabrics and that's how I started into a crazy <laughs> trip into developing my own materials.
0: It's, it's a very good thing that we've all found each other uh, we, I, I started AIM at 19 as well. Um, I was frustrated by the story that this idea that you would have a bunch of people always outside the margins that if we keep digesting that story, we're going to keep playing. You know, we're pretty good characters. We can play a role in a story people keep telling us that. And, yeah, to your point, Regina, I was interested in how you take, you know, some of the stuff that's been cool before, um, but not have apathy be cool anymore. How do you make, like, doing good stuff cool?
6: I, I think storytellers are really important in this moment to amplify the great work of Regina, uh, but also to give hope to, to the younger generation that are on this call as well, to, to say that all isn't lost. There's an extraordinary amount that we can do and it's just time to get on with it. Miller and Lily, like,
0: what are the stories that that you... Choose to tell in your life as you're looking out? What are the stories that you've tried to write? And have you learned, have you had a moment in your life where you've been like, well, oh, I'm not sure I want to accept that story that people are telling for me. And maybe I want to tell another story. Do either of you have any experiences like that? So,
5: my name's Lily. I'm a year 12 student in NARA, New South Wales. Um, yeah, I can talk about my major artwork, I guess.
0: I love that. Um,
5: yeah, so I'm focusing on kind of the connections between Aboriginal women and like community and that like despite what the media says about Indigenous people and what other people tell me about my culture. So I guess I'm trying to make a change there.
1: Um, so I'm 18 years old. I just finished year 12 last year, so I'm in a gap year at the moment and I'll be heading off to uni next year to study a bachelor of fine art um similar to Lily I did um in my year 12 folio my theme was cultural identity so I kind of looked at myself in my culture and where I stand and then I used that to create stories like art as a way of sharing stories and I kind of what they call activism art. So I was trying to speak about things that I felt strongly about in my culture. So I like tackled things like um, intergenerational trauma that not many people well, my age were completely understanding. And especially last year, just being in that whole Black Lives Matter movement, move through Australia as well. I just am constantly trying to use my art to uplift young Aboriginal voices.
0: are we got to put under this hooded sweatshirt and what story have we got to tell so now it's an open design what do you want what's the coolest outfit you've ever had what do you want to borrow from that give us everything and in the next um 10 minutes we're going to do an, a complete compilation brain design across continents to see if we can make a cool status icon um and that's the challenge so how do we do that damon <laughs>
6: I don't think the mid-40s guy is the one to ask um, there, but I think the, um, I I would just push that wherever, whatever we make on the hoodie, somewhere on it, it has to say, this hoodie is made from seaweed. Um, That that needs to be amplified and that's pretty cool
1: status. I just feel like we just need like small details on there that, you know, indicate what the story is about.
4: Well, definitely, if possible, like some shape of a seaweed, that would be cool, hey? We
1: we actually have a, a
3: t-shirt that is very popular, people love it. Um, and um, and it has a big crayweed design.
4: The colour of crayweed is sort of like, you know, this bright... It, it has this brightness onto it, so it contrasts really well with, say, dark colours. The shape also is quite cool, you know, you have all these different branches that uh, branch out, and, mm. and that's sort of like... And, and that drawing is really cool because it sort of like shows it how, how it is underwater, you know, when there's water flow and the waves and so on. So uh, I think that that would be really cool.
7: The thing that popped to mind, I just sort of thought maybe if there was some kind of muted, very, very muted underlying pattern on the jumper, like, yeah, there's something about just the the ebbs and flows, like or all right, all, all that sort of bulk outweigh that could be a, a, a really sort of faded sort of, muted sort of graphical thing underneath, like a sort of base colour sort of thing. So you sort of, it's there but it's not. But, yeah, yeah it's got the presence of, like, um, seaweed.
5: Like on the back, like it's have a design, probably do with the ocean or planet, again, linking it back to, you know, the environment. Um,
0: it's a beautiful idea. I love the idea of, like, a um, that you're looking through the back of the hoodie and it's the ocean you want to see.
2: Then, uh, well, I thought maybe if if you find um, uh, a quote that maybe could go um, in in the front part of the hoodie or maybe on a sleeve.
4: Ocean health is it's it uh, you know because if the ocean is healthy, I think the planet is healthy, right? So you yes. know so everything in the ocean would be healthy, and and we would get a benefit out of that. Um, Things on land will get a benefit on that. So something related to that, given that seaweeds come from the ocean, you know, healthy oceans or ocean health, something that I would.
3: Yeah, I mean, what do we often say is how. Um, yeah, I mean, I think something about the 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 like we say, you know, when 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 you give nature a helping hand, its ability to regenerate is amazing. You know, so something that I think is 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 particularly inspiring is to show how. Yeah, how it is within our grasps, you know. So that kind of point to the solutions.
6: Because maybe we could set up we could actually make a whether it's a video or, or a piece and tell a story of this hoodie. And then could you could you actually stitch a, a QR code somewhere onto it? Yeah, I imagine someone sitting on a bus behind you and they just they see this thing on your back left shoulder and it says scan this and it's just it's you know, and some random person just does it while you're not even looking and suddenly they get taken into this world and learn this story. It's um
0: yeah, enter, enter the ocean we want to see, I think, is a really... And, and what's beautiful about that is, you know, we could link to a regen website or have, the like, the pyrotechs gang there, like, be able to
6: showcase the work. Um, I love showing behind... Yeah, the story behind the story. I just love the idea of someone getting stopped and saying, oh, I love your hoodie, and what, what, what's that about? And you, And they just point to the QR code, and that person can just do it and then get all the download and be inspired and, and who knows where that could lead. And you could do that across a range of different garments and hoodies and be profiling different groups and stories and and let our, our clothes be storytellers. Like, why not?
7: I feel like almost like the messaging behind the hoodie would be key with, with that, like how, just that sort of circular economy sort of thing, how, you know, how it's growing, it comes into a hoodie, you know, and then it just goes back to the earth. I think that will be really Key and it could be like a fun little like a little like fun little logo off the back corner or something that just you know three little life cycle logos or something off the off the back so it's not too like in your face it's just off the side if you want to you know dive deeper onto it I always feel like with everything like being a little more pulled back and minimalist can sometimes be
0: speak louder than being too bold. That's a, a good balance because all I know is extreme bold. So I'm, <laughs> glad, you're, I'm glad you're here to counterbalance it. <laughs> Has anyone got a burning colour actually? That's my question.
1: I like the idea of a black hoodie with all the
5: drawings and stuff in different colours. I really like that as well. I think it'll make things stand out a lot more, especially the message like you want to portray.
6: I'd go forest green, but I'm, I'm through my black phase. So um, I'm going to defer to the younger generation there.
2: Well, from our side, we can do any color. Uh, actually, we use always the same type of dyes that are reactive dyes. They don't, we uh, we don't use any any chemicals. Uh, our dye cycles are super short, which is very important uh, when you dye a fabric because this means that you're using less energy. Uh, we are able to recycle the water. Uh, of uh, when, when we dye our materials. And, and actually we can do that for any color palette. So actually the way we work normally with, with, with the brands with who we collaborate is that we do lab dips, our little swatches of the color. So for example, we could go into three shades of forest green and uh, make lab dips for you. And then we would, we could select together. Uh, shade and then on the black as well there is different levels of blacks because it can be a washed black it can be something more deep so we can play with that as well
0: what is the color regina that, or the the fabric and color which would have the lowest environmental cost if we made a seaweed hoodie what's the one that would have the lowest cost
2: so it would be maintaining the natural color so uh, that would be a, a kind of off white because we do wash the fibres and the yarns in a way that we are able with no chemicals to, to, to get our, our fabrics in uh, uh, almost a white, but it would be, well, I don't know if you see the, the comb there of, of white yarn uh, in the back, but uh, that would be the tone.
6: And then is it right in saying that, Regina, your garment, when you're finished, you can literally put them in, The garden you can just are they completely compostable
2: so this would depend on um on the prints on the trims on the labels as well how the whole garment is made and what we do because some of that's important for some of our customers and we have to carry out special tests for each uh, garment so we do uh compostability slash biodegradability test that takes a lot of time, because actually you really reproduce that that test of checking if if, uh, if the product can biodegrade, of if there is any element on the product that has to be taken away in order to
6: yeah, I know that if, if that, if that if that was written somewhere too, that this, my hoodie is compostable, I know from our community that are very passionate and we would we would get so many takers of that because they are proud composters and, and they would wear something like that. Um, so that's just worth, worth thinking about if we're gonna make a line of these, if we could do one like that, it be, um, it'd be wonderful.
0: What I wanna know, this is an open question. Everyone has to provide an answer um, or a thought. Your skin regenerates itself in 28 days. We have a whole new skin in 28 days. What do we wear? How do we wear it? And what stories do we tell? And specifically, I want to know what it means to be in your skin and then what choices you make with fashion as we think about sort of planting the seeds of the hoodie we want to design. What do we wear? Why do we wear it? Why do you wear it?
6: I reckon if i looked historically i've had a pretty low carbon footprint because i sort of mainly wore upcycled and um secondhand clothing kind of things for a long time and i've become more aware in the last 10 years of of really diligently what i purchase and what are the fibers that i use and um because i mean as for those that don't know you know the, the, the fashion industry leaves an enormous imprint not just on the chemicals that are grown to grow the fibres, but also the use of water. The industry uses about 80 trillion litres of water every year. And so much of the clothes that we are um, are making are not even making it to the consumer. They're going to landfill and they're wasted. And um, as we know, fast fashion is a, is a huge issue. People uh, buy new clothing every five days. It's about oh, more than 60 garments a year that people are using. So there is an enormous ecological footprint to what we're wearing so I've become very conscious of that in terms of uh, my wife often um, laughs at me because I'll wear a jumper like I've got now and I've had it for 12 years and if it gets a hole I will repair it or I'll just buy high quality things and and know that that they can last or I seek out companies like Regina's or others where there is a repair option so that I don't have to buy a new garment I can just get it fixed by that company and wear it again so um, yeah that's my attitude to to clothing has changed a lot and i think uh the experience of wearing natural fibers is uh, if you haven't done it before it is just so, so much different on your body and your skin and um it does feel better and they breathe better so um again this is part of that exciting future that um less synthetic clothes has many benefits for the planet but also for our own bodies and our own health and that's a It's been an Ayurvedic practice for years of using linens and whatnot because of the medicinal properties of certain fibres. So um, this all awaits us if we can move away from fast fast fashion, which, as we know, isn't serving anyone or the planet.
2: Well, uh, the pyrotex perspective is that we need to wear something that is definitely good for our planet and not only not damaging our planet but uh, regenerating our planet and 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 so today we are able to work with fibers that that do it so and then uh, definitely something that is good for for our bodies and and today we see that we take care of ourselves hopefully uh, more and more through sports through food and uh, and we forget sometimes that as uh we just said uh, our biggest organ is our skin and that we are breathing textile 24 7 so this is this is key and 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 the decision of what we want our skin to breathe is is key um and we've and that's why today we focus a lot on natural and we developed fabrics made with natural fibers because at the end from our perspective what we want to feel close to our to our scheme is is Earth.
5: I'm probably a hypocrite, really, if I say this because I want to buy clothing and for materials like Regina makes. Um, but again, I do buy a lot of clothes. Um, I just like them a lot. Um, but again, like, I don't know, I feel like people are starting to change their attitudes towards the environment and how um, really how it's affecting our world, especially with fast fashion and everything like that. Like um, on social media, I'm seeing a lot of people thrifting and like upcycling clothing, which I want to do more of. Um, sadly, I don't really have the, this not facilities, but I don't have a lot where I live to do that. I guess it
1: changed for me as I grew up a bit more, you know, growing up as a teenager, you know, fashion was very, like it, decided your status especially in my small town like um growing up I didn't care where it was coming from or how much it cost I just wanted to be very liked by my peers so I was buying whatever it was and I didn't really pay attention but you know as I got older I became more cautious of where I was buying from Um, especially in my small town it was very close minded I would say. So now as I get older, I'm very cautious of where I'm buying from, especially with fast fashion. Um, we have a lot of small op shops here in Modura so I love op shopping. But I really like what Regina said earlier about um, feeling the earth on your skin. As an Aboriginal person, like connection to land and culture, that's just so important. And the idea of feeling the earth on your skin is just, I don't know, very powerful.
5: I was born in Barcelona
3: um, which is by the sea so I've always been around the sea and my mom is from an island from Mallorca so I've spent a lot of time there and and for me it's just eh, the initial attraction is kind of romantic you know it's it's just um, loving being in it, on it, near it and being kind of fascinated by how little we know about it, how mysterious it is and how everything is connected in the ocean. I mean, everything is connected in the whole planet, obviously. But, but in the marine environment, connectivity is, is, is particularly high. You know, so it's the oceans and the atmosphere. And within the atmosphere, it, you know, everything's kind of, it's like a soup, right? So that always really, really attracted me. So when I found out that there was actually a degree that you could study, science of the sea, I was like, wow, well, that's definitely going to be it. And uh, so that's how I dived into it and then my my love for seaweed is um i had one lecture that was amazing that that he was obsessed with seaweeds and 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 he kind of i don't know he was so it was a contagious enthusiasm that i soaked in and in the Mediterranean seaweeds are really beautiful because we don't have big tides seaweeds are beautiful everywhere but in the Mediterranean we don't have big tides so you never see them in the intertidal when they're like you know, out of the water and, and maybe smelly or whatever. You know, you don't see that in the Mediterranean. You always see them underwater when they're like flowing and bright colored. And so for me, they've always been these really beautiful yeah, underwater trees that are fascinating.
4: So uh, I'm from Argentina, from Buenos Aires. And, you know, our coast, Buenos Aires is based on one of the largest, if not the largest, estuary in the world. There's so much fresh water that comes from the Amazons that is really. It's fresh water It's sort of like, we call it actually a river, but it's, it's, in reality it's an estuary, and um, it's really polluted. So we used to go on holidays, um, or whenever we could really, to the beach, which is further away. Um, mainly because you know of that you cannot really get it you know you live next to this water body that is huge but you cannot get in because it's disgusting right so we used to go on holidays with my parents um to the beach and i used to love that because i loved being in the water and that was an opportunity where i could just stay the whole day in the water without worries about pollution or anything like that Um, And then my mom also was really, really into, we had at home all these books about Jacques Cousteau, you know, and and we used to watch all the films uh, about the underwater world. And when I was a kid, one thing that always um, fascinated me was that, you know, we know less about what happens underwater than what we know about, say, the moon or, or, or stars that are nearby and so on. And I was like, what? We live right next to it and we know very little about it. That's like, that's crazy. So ever since I was like, ever since I can remember, I was, you know, when you get asked what you're gonna be when you grow up, I'm gonna be a marine biologist. And all my friends said the same thing when we were five, but that kept changing through time for all of them, except for me, I always kept saying, I'm gonna be a marine biologist without even knowing what that meant. Uh, And so I just enrolled in uni to do biology. And, you know, I was lucky that I started working in a lab there as a volunteer. And that's when I discovered what, you know, marine science was about. Uh, marine biology was about what we do as a how we collect data and all that kind of stuff. And um, I was mostly driven by sort of like marine animals, but then I figured that, you know, all those animals need a home. And that's when I sort of like got into seaweeds, you know, especially like this large forest forming seaweeds. Impermanence,
7: I think, is probably the most beautiful lesson I've got from the ocean. I think that's come a bit more over the last six months. Like my father passed away six months ago, and but I use the ocean as a, I suppose, just watching how a wave moves across the ocean. It peaks, you know, in shallow water, and then it sort of dissipates on land to then be reborn out in the ocean. I just found the ocean is such a beautiful you know, representation of life and how things are impermanent and how, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just life and death is a part of life. And, um, yeah, I suppose that was just really a powerful thing for me when I was just, you know, grieving the loss of my father and also sort of played into, um, you know, how important it is for us to, I suppose, give a shit about our environment and stay connected to it.
0: I reckon it'd be beautiful to make the simplest possible, lowest impact hoodie out there, and tell the story through the website and through different, and have the illustrations and the world and the color come to life through that that link and that code. And I I think if we had, you know, this hoodie um, is made of seaweed. This hoodie is compostable. This hoodie um, supports marginalized youth to have a pathway to equality Um, this hoodie is helping build a future ocean we we we're all dreaming of. Gang I could talk to you forever, Um, I know that you are all got lives to live and there are oceans to rebuild and support and um, work out how humanity can can have the smallest possible impact or have a big impact in the best possible way. I just want to thank you all for, for what you do in your life. Um, it's Hope's a tough commodity um, to keep firing and keep moving, and, and I think it's, um, it's really simple that when you can find people who are hopeful, who are using the power of human intelligence to create action for good, It is just so inspiring. I feel like I don't need any um, coffee for the rest of my life after talking to people like you all. So thank you for joining us. um, And it's been a pleasure to have you all on, on the Making of a Hoodie podcast and we're looking forward to making a Seaweed Hero hoodie with a lot of you. And thanks for joining us.